I had a lot mapped out for myself with my career, my romantic life, my future in general. And I don't know if I was accepting, willing to accept the fact that the map could change. And it's so cool that the map can change and it can hurt sometimes. It can involve life and death and heartbreak and it can involve many, you know, different, you know, life like life shit happens things um but accept the fact that the map can change and like be okay with the fact that it can change welcome back to another episode of everyday endorphins this week is all about the intersection between beauty and wellness and skincare and finding the power and peacefulness in routines and i thought to myself who better to bring on to the podcast than Connie Manis, my good friend, who absolutely embodies this and her work is devoted to wellness and beauty. She is an art director at Cody. She is a fashionista. She is stylish. She has an amazing skincare routine. And I really enjoyed getting to chat with her this week in person, which was a fun change of pace from normally how I do these interviews, which due to COVID and now convenience is virtually. We had such an awesome conversation about her career path, how she got into the creative space, some of her best practices for taking care of yourself. And as someone who is exactly four years older than me, we have the same birthday, we'll talk a little bit about that later, Connie shares some great life advice and wisdom that she wishes she knew when she was 22. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Before we get into it, remember to like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Connie. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Stella. I'm excited to be here. This is probably my most exciting interview because, well, my listeners obviously can't see where we are right now, but we're in your home doing an interview in person, sitting on the ground on cushions, drinking our incredible chai oat milk lattes. It's a dream. It really is a dream. So I am so thrilled to be here with you today and so excited to get into our conversation on everything related to wellness and beauty and your story. Thank you. I'm really excited. The only thing we didn't do was sage the place before we started recording, but you oh, know, yeah. we, can, we can sage after. We'll sage after because we wanted to set the vibes, we but I think the that the vibes are already set. So Yeah, it's peaceful as hell. It so. really is. I think we needed that this afternoon as well. But let's get into everything that you've been up to. So I know that you are a kick-ass art director, and I'd love for you to start off by sharing a little bit about yourself and how you got into the art space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you, by the way. I am an art director in the beauty industry, so I work for a large beauty company. It's called Cody, and it's, it's a 
really fun job. I mean, to say the least, we I work on a team that really operates like a an agency. It feels like a bit of a studio rather than, you know, working at a big corporation, so that obviously feels really nice for a creative to be in a studio space. I work on luxury brands doing skincare, makeup, fragrance campaigns. Uh, so it's, you know, very much in my scope of interests. I love beauty. I am a big beauty consumer, so this really is the perfect job for me, uh, to say the least. I started in this space about five years ago um, and it's been a phenomenal little journey. I started at first as a graphic designer and sort of just worked my way up to junior art director and now I'm an art director and it's, it's honestly everything I hoped it would be and I've always wanted to be a creative in this space since you know I was studying design in college. I've always known that this was sort of the track I needed to take and I'm grateful to be on the track and live in the dream, but it's a really fun job. You know, I'm always on set. I do a lot of traveling for work, for different shoots. It's all about, you know, getting in touch with the right people, the right photographers to get, you know, the right kind of energy you want in a campaign. So it's a lot of that. I think that's honestly the dream to really love what you're doing post-grad. And I have found that not everyone necessarily loves their job right out of college. And I know that we have about a four-year age gap. So you've been in the working world for about four years now. I literally just entered. <laughs> and I find that within like my circle of friends or like within my grade upon graduation, it's actually pretty difficult assimilating into the working slash real world. And not everyone is as lucky as you to have like really loved their job but I'm wondering does that passion evolve over time or when you first started working out specifically in the graphic designer role did you feel like this was the right place to be and you were just like loving what you were doing I always I mean I studied design in school so I was always in you know graphic design courses I was always in taking fine art classes so I always knew that this was something that I was going to be passionate about. But once I started getting into design in the corporate world, I realized that there was, some people are really great at design. I personally think I'm stronger conceptually and I just knew that I was, I would be put better to use if I was conceptualizing campaigns rather than designing physical assets for brands. So, I mean, the evolution from designer to junior art director to art director is a common track that people take. A lot of people prefer designing. Um, and I really respect those people because it's a tough, it, that is a really tough job. And like, especially in the corporate world, it's very nuanced and it's very brand specific. You really have to dive into a brand's mindset in order to really be good at what you do and sort of leave your own tastes at the door, which is a bit, which is a bit tricky, but I always knew I was stronger at conceptualizing than, and storytelling than I was at designing, so to speak. So I always knew that that was gonna be the right track for me and I just made sure to voice very clearly from the beginning what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go to my managers, to my peers, and took all advice from literally every direction I could find to get to where I wanted to be. I think that's really good advice that you indirectly kind of just gave to my audience on being explicit about what you want in your career or what you want out of your career early on. And it's okay if you don't necessarily like know what exactly that might look like from the start. But if you have a general idea of what you're interested in, don't 
be shy about that. Like definitely make Mm -hmm. that heard. I think that's so important. And I think that's something that can be applied to really any career as well. Like at the end of the day, you have to be the one to kind of take the reins and like drive that conversation and Maybe it's just another way of saying like manifesting yeah. like the career that you want. <laughs> Sit on it. Exactly. Yep. So you have to, you know, make it known essentially. Mm-hmm. So I I love that you mentioned that. And I also want to hear a little bit more about the differences between more of like the design aspect and then how you transitioned into more of like that strategic creative mindset. Because I think that there's probably a lot of similarities, but also differences maybe that you found um, in your role now as an art director around like what your day-to-day looks like actually like designing a campaign or having like the creative vision for what, you know, a brand wants to get out of their campaign or their photo shoot. And so I'm really curious to hear kind of what those puzzle pieces are that fit together to, you know, develop that creative vision. There's a lot that goes on. It's so much more than just a shoot and it's so much more than just one photographer. It, you know, it can really vary. I was just in LA for a shoot that had like probably 70 to 100 people on set in order to make the vision happen, you know, from like COVID nurses to caterers to the photographer to the producers to all their assistants and everyone who can help in between. It was a lot. It's a lot of people to make the, the dream sort of actualize. Um, and a lot takes a lot goes into it right after you shoot as well. So now I'm entering post production for this shoot, and it's going to be you know, culling you know certain images and like adding images and a lot of retouching and then video editing and then sound editing and then we you know go into finessing and finalizing and then a year from now it'll be on the shelf and you'll and you know we'll get to, to see it and it'll be great to see the work in reality. But it's a lot goes into it. And I definitely, it's a lot of briefing. I would say we get briefed probably once every two months, uh, depending on, you know, the different brands that we work on. It could be a fragrance. It could be a skincare product. It could be a makeup line. It could be a line of fragrances, a, you know, a holiday launch or a limited edition launch. We'll get briefed. And usually in a brief, we'll there'll be a lot of things included, you know, statistics and data that supports, you know, things that consumers want to see and things that consumers want to feel and just details about the consumer that we need to know um, going into the concepting process and knowing about the consumer as honestly a beauty, massive beauty consumer, it makes it, it does make it easier to, um, you can use yourself as like a case study. I'm, I'm literally the case study for a lot of these product launches. You know, it's usually the, 22 to 35 age range which is like the broadest age range ever but at the same time you know we are interested in a lot of the same things when it comes to health wellness and beauty and you know being a consumer makes it really easy to get in the mindset and understand like what do I want to see I do think we operate in a lot of I feels like I feel like the consumer would want to see this when the consumer sees this I want them to feel like that and that's something that I'm always taking in and I think we all take in as a team um, where I work to our campaigns because, you know, we are all consumers and we, we do operate in I feels and I should see something and I should say, I should think, you know, that I've, I want to use this product because it will make me feel just like 
the cost that they've like costed in the shoot. You know, they feel happy. They feel like elevated. They feel beautiful. They have those endorphins. They have endorphins. And it's interesting because I feel like in branding and in marketing, it's all, you know, trying to evoke those emotions Mm -hmm. out of the consumer. And so specifically in health and wellness, there is this intersection with beauty in the beauty industry. And, you know, we, when we think about health and fitness, we think about maybe like our physical body or like if we're thinking about mental health, we can think about like therapy or um, other things we can do to just feel at peace, like meditation or whatnot. And so there's tons of products and services out there that cater towards our physical and our mental well-being. But when you think about beauty, it's products that are, you know, on your face and on your body. And that's a different form of wellness as well. Like feeling that confidence when you put on maybe your favorite pair of lipstick Mm -hmm. or like putting on some mascara and feeling like your looks a bit more elevated. And so there's definitely a very uh, strong intersection between the wellness industry and now like beauty as well. And so, you know, through your work and also as as a consumer, just your own personal experiences, what do you see people wanting more now out of like the wellness industry and the beauty space? I think something that we've seen more in our briefs that have come through in the last, honestly, since the pandemic has started, is like people, and it's no secret that people crave authenticity and transparency in products, in the brand. They want to know where their money goes. They want to know, you know, is it money well spent? Is it a sustainable brand? Is it a brand that cares about people? Is it an inclusive brand? People really care about that stuff. And I feel like that really does intersect with the wellness space very deeply. Um, I personally, as a consumer, look for authenticity in brands. I want to see myself reflected in the campaign in a way. Um, and it's hard to get out of my art director self when I'm looking at a campaign, if I'm just like browsing in Sephora or browsing in Ulta, you know, I I find myself like taking major notes, major, major notes. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I I look at like a one brand's campaign for a new like foundation or a new concealer. And I'm like, you know what, the way that that model looks is the way I embrace my life. And like, that's, you know, that's something that I sort of take into account. But the wellness space totally intersects with beauty. And like whether it's ingestible, whether it's, you know, because we're doing a lot of brands are going into the ingestible route, you know, with biotin and like health for your hair and your skin and your nails and whatnot. And a lot of brands are, you know, going the um, aromatherapy. I, there's actually a better word for that. I think it's a, a aromacology. Which What's is, aromacology? I mean... I really should back check that that's even the word. But uh, maybe we stick to aromatherapy. Yeah, like maybe it's just aromas or just like the idea that like <laughs> sense, sense, sense can evoke a, a certain vibe or mm. a certain feeling. It definitely can yes. because smell in particular like can take you back to such a specific memory or oh my feeling. God, yeah. And so I I can get behind that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very special space to be in. I feel like that space and the fragrance space in general mm-hmm. is really quite exquisite to be in because of that that memorabilia and that nostalgia that fragrances can bring in the wellness space I mean I take my beauty and my wellness are completely intertwined I am a very I'm very much a creature of habit I do (laughs) we were talking about this today yeah we're (laughs) drinking out chai lattes we were like we're gonna we're gonna go for a matcha which I also get like every day and then we were like actually no we're gonna stick to chai which is what what we we know best yeah exactly 
Honestly, I am a creature of habit in all aspects with when it comes to especially the beauty space. I'm very much obsessed with my rituals. Well, let's get into it because Ooh. you are like the beauty queen. You oh, stop. like flawless no. skin. <laughs> Everything is like minimalist, like clean beauty, I think is like really what you you're the epitome of, like clean beauty. It's amazing. And I am curious to hear what your wellness routine looks like maybe we can start with like skincare what you do for you know your face what you do for your mental health your body everything totally uh, that was like the nicest thing anyone said to me so <laughs> thanks um when I wake up in the morning I I mean I'm like every other millennial I check my phone I don't do anything that like <laughs> should make me feel good when I wake up in the morning I check my phone I check my emails I do the, that's like the most toxic thing you can do um and then I drink a glass of water and I'm like wow like this is this is wellness like here I am drinking my H2O but then I hit the bathroom and I'm like at my sink and it is you know skincare 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 for about 20 minutes um wow. yeah and it's not even that I have a lot of steps in my routine it's simply that I like to spend time there and like I just I just love being there and like my I have so much to say about like being in your like at your vanity or at your sink or wherever the hell you're doing you know your morning routine or evening routine I really am I, I really do value that time in the morning and it's so important. I hate rushing my routine, but I wake up, you know, do my cheeky face washing, got to cleanse if people don't cleanse. I actually don't understand people who don't cleanse. I do kind of respect them. It's a, it's a very bold move. I personally am a creature of habit and cleansing is a way I wash away the past of my, <laughs> the past night, the past day. So many ways we can cleanse. So many morning. ways we can cleanse, but I take cleansing very seriously. So I cleanse, you know, I do some serum action. I'm very much a big hydration gal. I love my hyaluronic acid. I love my vitamin C, which helps with brightening and tone. Um, I do use a face oil because I gua sha and I learned. Oh my God. It's been a pandemic thing. Do you want to explain what the gua sha is for maybe some of my listeners who might not be familiar with it? So, and I don't want to get this wrong because I really do, I love to gua sha and I probably do it, I probably do it wrong, honestly. But the way I use the tool is, works for me. Um, But it is a Eastern medicine like practice, like a very much Eastern practice of, you know, jade, a jade tool, you know, you've probably heard of jade rollers. Um, I have a jade roller. I, I've never used the gua sha, but like I have a jade roller. <laughs> so the, the gua sha is typically made out of jade or some kind of crystal like quartz or like amethyst. And it's a flat sort of, I'm like using my hands and like no one can see my hands, but it is a flat like surface that usually has some kind of divot or ridge that you can like help you know massage your jawline or like under your eye um and it's usually a like circular shape um they come in many shapes and sizes but it kind of looks like a bean I like to, yeah that's it a reminds good way me to, of a bean it's a good way to describe it um and I gua sha my face which I think helps with lymphatic draining I'd like to think it does because yeah. I do it all the time and I'm like this and I see a difference like if I had a really long night or if I just like had a really bad sleep um, I hit the gua sha to my face and it really does feel phenomenal. It's like massaging my jawline. I have a lot of jaw tension because I'm a stressed Virgo. So. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Actually, I think I do too. Oh, yeah, I've never no. really given thought to it, but I think there's a lot of tension in my jaw. There's a lot of tension. Like if I, 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 can, I can clench really hard and you can feel my mandibles. It's really <laughs> scary. So I like to massage my jaw. I also am a chatterbox, so it does... Um, 
it does help uh, get me into the the groove of the <laughs> chatter day, chatterful day. But um, I gua sha and then I moisturize and then I, I genuinely look like I'm wearing like a hydrating face mask. Like when I am getting on my first call and people are like, oh, you're doing a mask? And I'm like, no, this is just my routine. Um, but so it's an extensive 20 minute. It's extensive. Face routine. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's again, it's not about the amount of products I use. It's really just about me being in my bathroom in peace for like just... 15 to 20 minutes I also listen to podcasts while I do it and I'm just like sometimes I'm staring into space and just absorbing the sounds but it's a lot of just being with myself and yeah taking care of myself before I start the day and it's beautiful I really do love it it's also really peaceful to do something for yourself in the morning yes it's like a meditation in a way like you're you are practicing some sort of meditation even though you're not sitting down and closing your eyes and counting your breath like you are creating space for yourself before the chaos hits to to do what feels right for you and to take care of yourself, which is also like a reinforcing principle too. Like when you're taking care of yourself and it feels good, then you're going to want to keep doing it. Totally. And I think maybe it's like something we would relate to just given our personalities and our similarities. But I personally find comfort in the predictability and in the routine. Yes. So the fact that I know... That's okay, a Virgo trait. <laughs> like, I, I guess. I guess it is. For better or for worse, I find comfort in knowing, like, one step comes next after the other. And, like, knowing what is going to happen next gives me peace. So maybe it's not even the exact steps that I'm doing in my skincare routine, but just knowing that they exist and like what to expect yeah. is really peaceful. And then you're also making yourself feel good because you're taking care of yourself. Totally. And then it just sets you up for success for the day. I really do, again, creature of habit. If something makes you feel good, repeat it. Like don't stop doing it. And if you find something else that makes you feel good, add that in. I really do believe that. And this pandemic, if it's taught me anything, it's to always just do what feels good in the moment and... For me, it is typically centered around making a crazy purchase at Sephora or um, heading to uh, an apothecary-like store to buy eccentric skincare and guashing my face. Like those things make me really happy and I'm, I continue to do them. And in the evening, you know, no matter what is going on, I always spend 10 minutes just doing my skin and like there's not even I don't have there are three things I do in the evening to my skin it's not even that extensive but it's about the the ritual the practice Mm -hmm. and it is a meditation I don't even meditate but I would totally consider what I'm doing the most peaceful thing that I can possibly do for myself and it feels good so I'm not gonna stop exactly you can for sure count that as your meditation and beyond skincare what are some other things that you do to try to stay healthy? So I know right now you're living at home, but you haven't lived at home forever, like upon graduating. So working from home, flying out for shoots, just navigating like your work schedule. What are some things that you try to keep consistent in your in your day to day that are revolved around health and wellness beyond skincare? That's a that's a great question. I love a good walk. I love a good walk outside. I walk outside. I've been seeing so many TikToks about girls who walk, girls who take their cheeky 20-minute walks in the middle of the day. I love to do just a walk, an aimless walk. I usually walk to Central Park, um, do a lap of the Great Lawn, and then walk back to my parents' place. My parents' place. So it's it's a that kind of consistency is again really does ground me, and it's is a place where I feel 
acts it sort of can act as a meditation walking is a sort of form of meditation I, I try not to take any calls when I do these walks sometimes if I'm on like a very long you know one to two hour meeting I'm like you know what this can be done in Central Park like let's let's take this to the park and be with the birds and be with a little nature and like you know we're city kids so it's like that's the only nature we really have <laughs> but it, it, it you know it kind of makes up for it. Like oh, it, makes it, fe- up for it, it feels yeah. like you're in nature. You yeah. are. I mean, you're not in like yeah. The just Pacific. don't like, don't look up and around <laughs> because like there are buildings everywhere. Exactly. And it, but if you just look down, if you look down, <laughs> it feels good. It feels really good. Um, but another big uh, ritual, I would say, wellness ritual for me is cooking. I've really, I've, I'm really into cooking and baking. I do love a good, do love a good cake and cookie. But that's something that I picked up in the pandemic, um, especially moving back home. And spending time, more time with my parents, more time with my dad. My dad's a really big, he's really big in the kitchen, kitchen man. And him and I just like spent a lot of time in the kitchen together this pandemic. And like, I got like low-key really good at cooking and baking. That's a big life skill to have. Thank you. Yes, it's a huge life skill. And I, I highly recommend everyone busts out the pan and gets <laughs> experimental with their omelet. Like, don't just fry up some eggs. Like, get experimental. Put some So you have a special omelet. Like, that's your signature. It's honestly my breakfast signature. It's a feta omelet. I mean, you'd be into it. <laughs> Plus, yes, we're also both Greek. Connie yep. is Greek. Yep, we are Greek. So feta from Astoria is obviously yes. at large in the fridge. There's like four pounds of feta in the fridge right now. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. Um, and we, yeah, I just, I make a really fluffy feta scramble or a really fluffy feta omelet and sometimes I like toss in some chili flakes a little olive oil and it just feels like the a, the, a pillowy dream so that's <laughs> that's my that's my breakfast signature for the weekends and then sometimes I'll shove it in a sandwich and then make it a breakfast sandwich that so, sounds delicious and you're making me hungry all over again love it but you know I think also with the pandemic we all moved home and I you know was I was home from March until September. And something that I really valued was getting to sit down and have dinner with my parents every single night. Like that, I don't think, the last time that happened, I was probably too young to even remember. Mm -hmm. And it was so nice to be able to just sit down, like cook with my mom, eat a meal together. My dad would always come home like crazy late at night just from work, you know, pre-pandemic. And so we would never, you know, overlap with timing to sit down and eat dinner and it was so nice that you know he could actually be present and the three of us could could sit down and there's just something very calming and grounding when you're with family or friends and you're sitting down and you're sharing a meal together and the fact that we were all kind of forced to do that in the pandemic was really nice and it's something I'm afraid we're gonna lose as we're coming out of it yeah we're totally losing it it's like we're back to work and it's things are sort of going back to normal for lack of a better phrase I mean back to normal what is back to normal when you have we're in like the middle of the one of the worst times I think in the world right now you know we've got like civil and international conflict and a pandemic and it just doesn't feel like it's gonna stop anytime soon so but the family dinners totally have kind of fallen off and I think that's just a that's a symptom of the American very much we're back to normal pandemic is over vibe um which I think that we're we're trying to sell that dream but it it does feel like we're we're losing that a little bit and I had many I thought that I was never going to live at home again once I moved out post-grad and my sister was going to go straight to medical school and we were never going to live together again and 
2020 hit and I'm like all four of us are under the same roof and we're like oh like we're all roommates now it's not even like yeah, we're all roommates exactly we are, this we're is roommates. not a family home it, no no this the is, dynamic has shifted it has once you hit massive, your 20s the dynamic it's different it's a different shift and we all had to operate like roommates it was actually it, it's crazy and you know we all have our own little work from home space in the beginning my sister was the only one who went into the office because she works for a doctor and we all just had to live with each other and like eat every single meal together and it was such a bizarre thing to do in your 20s like with your parents um and I know the pandemic was really tough for uh, parents new parents or parents with smaller children but parents who had kids in their 20s and who were working I feel like it either totally bonded you for life or it or that was it or that was it <laughs> yeah no like no happy medium no there's no in between there is no in between especially when you move in with your family post grad yeah it, thought of it makes me sweat still but I have no regrets this has been a great little stint it's yes. coming to an end but well, it's been great speaking of family so I know that you're from Australia and first of all, that's really cool because I've always wanted to go to Australia. Oh yeah, you've been trying. I've been trying and the world has said no as of now, but it's not a no forever. And in Australia in particular, from like what I can imagine the culture to be around health and wellness is wildly different than what I think it looks like here in America. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, like what are those differences and do you feel like growing up for some time in Australia has shaped the way you view health and wellness now living here in New York. Totally. I think that Australia, and it's so tough to speak um, on my life in Australia, just because I haven't lived there in what feels like a gazillion yeah, years. Yeah, it's been some time by It's now. been some time. I left Australia in 2005 with my family, and we lived in Paris, and then in 2008 we came to New York, so I really have not lived there in such a long time. Um, and there are so many things I still don't know about Australia. So I really do feel like a tourist when I go. It's kind of funny. What I noticed about Australia, I guess Melbourne, I'm from Melbourne specifically, and Melbourne's a fabulous city. Definitely go visit. What I noticed about Melbourne when I would visit every Christmas was the coffee culture. And like, it was something that we didn't have in New York at the time, but it was the idea of like ritual coffee drinking and coffee snacking and breaking and just like the coffee ritual itself was like taken so seriously in Australia and it I think it was brought to New York by Australians and I I'm pretty sure that has been fact-checked like the a lot of those like small you know beautiful coffee shops that you see are all Australian well it started out I think with Bluestone Lane in New York and I was like oh my god it's an Australian coffee shop like how cool is that and this wasn't when I was in high school yeah like 2016 I would say maybe it was like around that time 2014 to 2017 and then like all these other ones start popping up and yeah. they're all like Hutch and Waldo I yep. think Hutch and Waldo's yeah. up here like uh Little Collins that's yeah. a good one they're all Australian all Australian and they've I remember the shift when I was in high school I think it was like towards the end of high school where all these spots started popping up and I could get a good latte you could not find a good latte in New York City for a really long time I would go to Dean and DeLuca which would give me you know a burnt, but now it's, burnt milk it's latte. like closed it's closed so. I don't need, RIP to Dean and yeah. DeLuca which is why I can speak confidently on the burnt milk latte but it was a that's literally the only place I could go was like was there and it was I drank started drinking coffee at a really young age due to my Greek our Greek culture. Um, my grandparents would, you know, feed me coffee. I don't even yeah, know if that's like a Greek actually coffee, like, a Greek like coffee. after dinner. Yes, <laughs> like my grandma would pour it onto the onto a little plate when I was a kid and would let me sip the coffee. It was 
honestly chaotic now that I think about it. But yeah, or would you ever do the thing where you, I think my mom would do this? Like you would drink it, but then you would see what pattern like oh my God, emerged yeah. in the cup after oh, yeah. to like predict your. It's, it yeah. was like a reading. It yeah, was like, it's like a tea leaf reading, but like a coffee reading. <laughs> it was yeah, like a Greek coffee reading. I did many coffee readings. I've been told many things about my future in coffee readings by aunts and great aunts. Did any of them come true? Honestly, yeah. They, I mean, you know, it's like the peripheral. <laughs> when you, you will find, back. yeah, you will find uh, love eventually. You will make money. It's like, well, okay, yes. I guess we checked those boxes. <laughs> we, checked, we, we found love in a hopeless place and we be bringing in the checks. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, that's, that's the Greek coffee reading. But I really think that coffee culture in Australia is very much the ritual of Australians and it was brought to New York and I'm so glad it was and it's such a big thing here and the ritual of getting coffee and being with a friend and you know going for a walk in a coffee like really was such a big thing there and it still is today and I love that it is definitely and I think also now that coffee culture has kind of I mean it's definitely more present now in New York probably will never match the energy in Australia but now that it's definitely more of a present thing here, something that I found to be really lovely, and maybe it's also probably like a combination of the pandemic, but just getting like some sort of drink with a friend and going for a walk is so great. Like having like, like that be the activity, like the main, yeah, that's the main event. That's the main event is like grabbing. Well, now, as you know, I've given up coffee. So if I ever do make it to Australia, I'll probably have to get back on the coffee grind. It's worth it. In uh, Australia. No pun intended. Literally. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just getting like a matcha or something. You know, I'm, sh- I'm yeah. sure they have great matchas in Australia too. I've never had matcha, but I'm sh- in Australia specifically, but I'm sure it's divine knowing. You know, because when I went to Bali, like it was amazing there. And also, Bali has really good coffee too. It's like the Java bean. The Java the island bean. Island of Java. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, they'll have great drinks there. But, oh, fab. you yeah. know, in my mind, Australia is very wellness oriented. Like you're near the ocean and yeah. it's warm and it's sunny and it's very laid back. And it's a very big shift now, like living in a city like New York, which is incredibly fast paced. And I think that growing up here, like we didn't really know anything other than mm-hmm. what we saw. And so like when I went to college... I went to school in the Midwest. I know you stayed in New York for school, but it was a totally different change of pace. And when I was removed from the environment of being in New York, I really did realize like how much of a beast this city is. (laughs) And I think that, you know, being away for school and then coming back has made me recognize that it is kind of hard in a way to follow those like wellness practices being in New York when everything is so fast-paced and chaotic and there's always something to do like yeah it's actually kind of hard to feel at peace and more mellow it's like not as accessible in New York you do need to find it if you just want wellness and peace and serenity to fall in your lap you do have to like venture venture out and search for it or find it your you know in your own space at home I think Australia I can't speak too much to the wellness space outside of the food and coffee culture but I know it's like if you took LA or if you took like like stereotypical California energy and you put that all over the coast of Australia, it probably does check out. And it's very, you know, a little slower paced. I think, you know, cities like Melbourne and Sydney um, are a little more upbeat when you get into the city itself. But there really is no energy that compares to the New York bustle. There's like a serious vibration happening here that is 
pretty unmatched. And I actually read somewhere that, or maybe, and by read somewhere, I think I saw a TikTok on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's how we consume our news now. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I read somewhere. Nope, I saw a video on my For You page. Yep, it was that- a video. I think it was an archaeological um which I don't even know how this ended up on my FYP, but it was like this archaeological TikTok that gave you like, it like spat like fun facts. I think it's like a sponsored by Discovery. So it is a legit form of news, I would say. Um, you can find that on TikTok. No, you can. Depending it, on what side you're on. Yeah, depending on what side, you can get the facts. Um, but this was about, I think there was, there's like a, Chris, there's like some sort of min- mineral that's buried underneath the, the underneath New York City, which I mean, take this with a grain of salt from my perspective, but it's causing this, like, it caused, like, a giant energy shift in New York, which makes it such a bustling city. There's, like, this, I don't know what mineral it is. It's definitely, for air quotes, a crystal, for lack of a better term, (laughs) that, like, sits underneath the core of New York City and, like, actually is the cause, root cause of all of our bustling problems and high energy. Like, the reason why we can't slow down is not because you know, the city is loud. Like, the city's quiet right now. It's a Sunday, but I'm... Th- there's it's, something there's in the air. Something there's some the magnetic... Air. Yeah. You know... It's a force. I can guarantee you this video is definitely going to come up on my free page later today. Yeah. Just because my phone is right here and it it's listens. Listening. It yeah. listens and it knows. I swear, like... Yeah. <laughs> I... So many stories around just how TikTok has like predicted my behavior, and then also I think like created the space for me to behave in a way I probably shouldn't have <laughs> yes. because of the content it spits out to me. But that's very interesting. Yeah, I, that's like a fun fact. Like seriously, a fun fact. Like that's really why the city vibrates the way it does, and it's not. It's, it has nothing to do with like the people. It's just the literal earth, the soil. It's the the air as well it's all of it <laughs> well you know there's only one way to to find out really is you know we'll have to we'll have to find this crystal no, the we, core of new york we need to um i need to find that tiktok again yeah and get exactly in touch with this man uh-huh you know very curious to see if this is real moving away from the crazy energy that is new york city indeed and moving towards this you know the fact that we are four years apart and you're 26 now well, we're okay. Also, fun true. fact: we are recording this on our half birthday. We, we are. forgot to mention this earlier. <laughs> we are recording this interview on our half birthday, and like, I don't really celebrate my half birthday. I never have. This is today. This is today, and I yeah. think we should make this a thing. Okay, because, it's a half birthday. Like, what's not to celebrate that we made it six months? into the new year of yeah. our living. Like, that's incredible. I'm like, don't remind me that I'm six months away from being 27. Okay, yes, that's true. And, Scary. you know, I'm having, like, a mini crisis because I'm like, okay, I'm 23. Like, the, the numbers yeah. just keep getting higher. They get higher. And it's it's difficult out there. And a lot of what I talk about on this podcast is navigating the uncertainties of being in your 20s, dealing with the transition post-grad, you know, figuring out how to take care of yourself in a way that is accessible to you and actually excites you. So given that we do have a little bit of an age gap, I would love to hear your wisdom on, (laughs) you know, some of the, like the top lessons that you've learned in your early twenties. And now as you're moving towards 27 in six months, what do you wish you could have told yourself in my shoes? Like at my age? Oh my God. Now that I'm where I am right now. <laughs> I there is so, there are so many things I would I would tell myself. I would tell myself to just slow down. I was very much 
I had a lot mapped out for myself with my career, my romantic life, my future in general. And I don't know if I was accepting, willing to accept the fact that the map could change. And it's so cool that the map can change and it can hurt sometimes. It can involve life and death and heartbreak and it can involve many, you know, different, you know, life, like life shit happens things. Um, but accept the fact that the map can change and like be okay with the fact that it can change. Like I definitely mapped it the way I wanted my career to move and the direction I wanted it to go into that I feel like has, I've been able to successfully accomplish that. And like, I'm still trying to keep myself challenged and reach different goals and make sure that I'm, you know, doing what I can in order to move myself forward in that direction when it comes to life and love and friendships and relationships I'm it's you know people change and when people change the map changes and like you know we're Virgos we create lists we create lists vision boards like we have it down to the T oh my god we want the answers we (laughs) want to know we want the answers um and I think a part of growing up um especially in New York City and like navigating the post-grad life is sort of not stop stopping yourself a little and saying, you know, I don't need to find all the answers. I was very lucky with my job to have everything sort of fall where I wanted it to. Um, and it's very rare for that to happen to someone in their 20s. And I'm a bad example for people who are like, well, how'd you figure it out? And I'm like, I don't know. I just like, I, I really was it fell into my lap and I was really vocal about what I wanted and I just did everything I could and sacrificed stuff to get there. But with, you know, life, it be be okay with the fact that things can change and it's, it brings you a lot of peace. And like we said, we had paninis before this. We had a a cheeky panini moment. It was great. Yeah. a, A cheeky panini, great moment. And we talked about like not getting closure and like closure is one thing that like, for a Virgo. I mean, I'm not even an astrologist, so please don't quote me on this. But yeah, like, we've brought up Virgo like 20 times <laughs> in this conversation. Um, we don't really follow have. astrology, but because I'm a Virgo. <laughs> but because I'm a Virgo, I really do think this is true. Um, but like not, you know, being okay with like not having answers to everything is a really, is a, is a peaceful place to be at. And I recommend embracing that. And honestly, therapy. Like I'm a big therapy gal. When I first graduated from college, I mean, we, I, we graduated in May. That September, I found a therapist and I was like, you are going to be in my life forever, Miss Naomi, Dr. <laughs> Naomi. Like, she's really such a homie and she's been helping me navigate life. And that's really what therapy is for and like learning how to handle things and in a crisis and learning about yourself and like making informed decisions about your past to help, you know, help form your future in a healthy healthy way and therapy I think is like one piece of advice that I would give to anyone young in their 20s like go get a therapist like you'll not you will not regret going (laughs) getting a therapist it's amazing I love my therapist so 10 out of 10 would recommend this is all very valuable advice and I think it's great that you know you're so open about sharing this because I think people in our generation like want this and that you know they I think we're now trying to find ways to 
break those barriers around mental health and open up that conversation and normalize going to therapy and recognizing like something we had actually spoken about earlier today is like, you know, seeking out therapy when things are quote unquote, like, okay in your life. Yeah. Instead of going to therapy when like you feel like you're in a crisis and then the therapist helps you in that moment. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like my life's good. Like all back to normal. Like don't need you anymore. But like every day is, has a challenge totally. in some shape or, you know, way or form. So I totally agree with you. Like it's so important to have someone there. If you feel like you need that support, to help guide you along that path because life can be very, very difficult. (laughs) Literally, it can be. And I remember there was one pivotal moment when I first started therapy, which I will share. I was just, I was sitting in in my chair, pre-pandemic obviously, the therapist's chair, beautiful leather chair. And I had just overcome an obstacle the week prior. And I was telling my therapist about this new obstacle and I was, I just said, I said something along the lines of, I mean, what the fuck, Naomi, it doesn't stop. Like, it does, like, and she just looked at me and said, you know, that's welcome to adulthood. Like, that is literally, <laughs> she's like, this is, you know, things aren't easy now. Like, you have to make decisions for yourself. And like, that's why we're here, like, to mm-hmm. just help. And it was, I think the turning point where I said, you know what, even when I don't need to be here or when I think I'm really good, I'm going to show up, whether it's once every two weeks, once every three weeks, once a month, I'm going to show up for myself and talk to someone who gets paid to listen and paid to give advice. It's like pretty lit, you know? Like, yeah, no, I mean, in another world, <laughs> therapy could have been cool, like to, to be a therapist or like to oh, be a yeah. psychiatrist because oh. I thought I wanted to go to med school. So if, if I had chose that path, psychiatry would have been of interest to me but that's such a good point like (laughs) what you said like what the fuck it doesn't stop yeah it it doesn't doesn't stop it doesn't stop so let this be a reminder that you know maybe a way to more positively reframe that is yeah it doesn't stop but that means we're always going to learn something exactly so that's a very empowering way I think to think about it totally always learning always absorbing (laughs) that's life well Connie I feel like we are like soul, that sounds so cliche. No, I was going to say kindred soul, spir- yeah. kindred spirits. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I hate the word soul sister. So I'm not, I'm going to rich, I'm going to not say that. <laughs> it's giving like my Catholic school vibes. Like we're all soul sisters. We're all soul sisters. Class we're, of 2014. Yeah. Yep. Um, just the fact that we also have the same birthday, it's kind of magical. And um, it's just been so lovely having you as a guest on my show. Like genuinely such a fun time. And you've had so many amazing things to share. Your career is incredible. You are an incredible person. And I definitely look up to all the advice that you have to share. So thank you. Oh, I love you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a lovely little experience. And our chai latte, like our chai latte vibe right now is really freaking cute. And I it is. Do it it's the, like the best situation. And before I let you go, my final question for you which you've kind of answered like sporadically throughout this interview is a question I ask every guest that comes onto the podcast. And this question is, what is something that brings you a bit of endorphins? Oh, this, a lot of things bring me endorphins. I am a very energetic person. So I do, do love, I do endorphin chase for lack of a better um, phrase, but I love to, I love to chase that sort of energy. But I, I think what really gives me that boost of endorphins every day is 
those little pockets of rituals that I have for my wellness and skincare routine. And I think the that little period of time that you have in the evenings before you go out with friends, before you're meeting someone for a drink or for dinner or to hang out, that period where you're like getting ready and you're sort of just in your own space, working on yourself, or maybe not even, you're just sitting with yourself. That's like my favorite 15 minute moment whenever I'm doing anything, just like putting on my lip gloss, feeling myself. That is literally, that's the pocket of time that brings me, I think, the most joy. And then I hit the town and it's very cute, but that, and and in the morning, I like, I like doing that in the morning as well. Like that little pocket of time where I'm 20 minutes in the bathroom, like doing my face, massaging my jawline with my gua sha to release tension. That's my favorite part. And that brings me a lot of joy and is an endorphin kick for sure. That is a great answer. And I've haven't heard anyone say that before. And it's also so like specific too, because I can totally relate. And I think a lot of girls out there listening probably can relate as well. Like, I feel like we all know that feeling when we're getting ready to go out somewhere or to meet someone and like you're alone and it's peaceful. Maybe you're listening to music, you're doing your mm-hmm. makeup, like everything just like works. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the best feeling, the ultimate endorphin high. The ultimate. And I sometimes it's arguably like the better part of the evening. Like, yeah, yeah. Because you're like alone and you don't have to deal with anything yeah. else. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Connie. This was lovely. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for listening and remember to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things that bring you endorphins every day. See you next time.